All right, this episode, episode 33 of the Option Podcast is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. Come play with us. Also brought to you by Endless Summer Beach Volleyball. If you're around for the summer, need to train for the AAUs, need to train for AVP first, come train with us. It is also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports, watching me, watching you. Number 33, episode starts. Okay, three, two, one, connecting. Starts right now. All right, here we go. Jason DeBellis, I'm back. This is episode 33, You Ask and You Shall Receive, because me, I got to give the people, I give the people what they want. Eric Baranek, what's good, that baby? <laughs> well, we currently had to, I was, had a beautiful scenery in the alleyway. Um, cord, phone was not around. Unfortunately, I wasn't prepared, but not as good of scenery, but we're, it's okay. We're here. Yeah. We're yeah. present. Yeah. Hey, for those of you that are not from around here, um, 16th Street is the place to be for fours. It's the place to train. It's the place that's just it's just awesome. And Eric right now is enjoying the um, the benefit of the sunset north of the Pier Hermosa yeah. Beach, California. Oh, yeah, man. Just today. yeah. So how, how you handling all this, bro? I think at first I was very optimistic, um, working out a lot. Cause I was, you know, I was on such a, a good stride with Andy and LT. We we're training four or five times a week, hard, consistent, uh, felt really good. So I think the thing that was hard for me was realizing we're not going to be back for a little bit. Yeah. And I, I really do believe that. I don't, the earliest I could see the ABP starting with how slow or how fast this progression is, is September. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't, knew, I don't well, I knew when they canceled New York. Um, yeah. And we uh, all knew New York wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Too bad. And that was too bad for I, me. I call it, I call it Wuhan, New York. <laughs> it's true. The new ground zero. That's what I call New York, man. That was just, that's insane, dude. Yeah. Um, I think um, if you're, if you watch the UFC or if you watch mixed martial arts at all, Dana White, um, had an event over the weekend. It was a USC 249. Yeah. And basically, he, he, with a big, you know, with a big pair of balls between his legs, demonstrated how um, events are, are sports that don't require a large number of participants and referees and pe people to be near each other, how these things are for achievable. Um, and, yeah. uh, and bear with me for a second. Like, first of all, it's, it's a combat sport, so it's one-on-one, -on -one, all right? Second of all, it's a sport where sequestering the athletes is not a big deal because their training camp, um, everybody, everyone, the average fighter, their training camp is eight weeks. Six yeah. weeks if they have to rush it. Like Tony Ferguson had to rush his in four. He, he thought he was going to fight Khabib. He ended up fighting um, um, Justin Gaethje. Um, so he goes from like this elite wrestler to a striker, which sucked for him. Um, so then you have the referee, then you have a limited amount of coaches, you have it in an empty, an empty playing field. And yeah. to me, I thought it was a success. And I guess my question to you, and this isn't an interview, this I'm reminding everybody, yeah. this is the podcast, me and him, we're just going to shoot the shit. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, um, why not volleyball? Why not beach volleyball? I mean, you got double the amount of participants, right? You got um, people who are combatants, except they don't touch each other. They, they're on opposite sides of the net. You got a referee that's not only not close to them, he's above ground. <laughs> you have, yeah. just like tennis, you have the, uh, the announced team that's in a bunker. It's not like they're even on court, they're even courtside. And yeah. um, maybe the nostalgia of not having a crowd there takes away from it. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, let's say the ABP wants to, to start it back up and we, we go Manhattan. I don't know. I think if they don't get it done in a certain amount of time, the sponsors may opt out. They may not want to have their face on something uh, while people are gathering. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what they think. <clears throat> yeah, and then there'll be people who are scared to be, yeah. you know, they'll be discouraged to get in a setting with multiple people. Yeah. And then for the athletes, it's definitely not as much fun when there's no one around the courts. Yeah. And then they're That's... gonna have to give us a certain amount of time to train before this, you know, starts up. I don't, I don't know, it's just, it seems a little, un or far-fetched, I should say. Maybe not unrealistic. Well, I don't think, look, I don't blame the media entirely because I know as far as reporting, the people do have a right to know what, what the situation it is. But yeah. I turn, dude, I just stopped watching it. I stopped watching CNN. I stopped watching. I just turned it off because um, I'm not trying to say they're using scare tactics to get ratings. I'm not saying that bully, boogeyman politics comes into play because it's an election year. Um, yeah. Even And I'm not saying it just because I'm not saying it doesn't mean all these things aren't true because let, let's be real. We're all fucking thinking it. All right. We're all thinking it, dude. Um, and something I noticed and I got an elite athlete with you. I'm, an, I'm a former elite athlete. I noticed that the people that are the least afraid <laughs> are the athletes. I mean, you might be afraid for your families, right? Yeah. Like a lot of people have good immune systems if they work out, if they got good nutrition, if they, you know, if they practice responsible social distancing. So they get, the people that are the least likely to get are, the, are, are those people. And yeah. um, how do you feel? Are you scared? Are you scared, homie? <laughs> I, uh, you know, I think for a little while there, when all this stuff was, was starting up, I was definitely scared. Um, I would wear like a hoodie, jacket, mask, and glasses, you know, full gear in the Trader Joe's. <laughs> Looking like Eminem and Tom Selleck put together. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to rob the place. Like, have, you know, 40 people in there that look like they're going to rob the place. So oh, you feel God. a little bit more comfortable with yourself yep. when you walk in. But no, I was definitely scared. I think at this point, it's just going to start to, you're going to have to start normalizing at some point. And uh, I don't know, I'm, when they say it's ready, then I'm just going to go with it. I've been playing by the rules, I would say, yeah. for the most part. You're taking minus care of your controllables. The, yeah. Yeah. Minus the epic surf session I had a few nights ago with the bioluminescence. That was pretty badass. I went out 16th Street over here, uh, and it was unreal. I was surfing the most blue waves possible. It was crazy putting your hand through the water and seeing it light up completely. And there was hundreds. And doesn't and it hundreds look like it glows? It was glowing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this reddish. Um, wow. Yeah, it's the red tide, and it's the algae that is forming this bioluminescence at night. Dude. Crazy. 
Oh, nice. Good. Oh, good for you, man. Yeah, me. Yeah. I, I mean, I got my mask. You know, I'm gonna hit the Dunkin' Donuts like I'm gonna rob the place. <laughs> but like, hey, all the glaze in the freaking box. <laughs> the Munchkins too. Let's move it. <laughs> Put it in the box. Don't touch anything <laughs> don't, else. Don't Set it on the counter. Yeah. So. Um, you know, the cool thing about me working out is like my girl's a gym person. She misses the gym. Um, I don't cause I don't use a gym. I, 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 everything I do when I work out is military, um, military induced, uh, Troy field came by earlier on to pick up a hard drive, you know, videos, actually a video, you guys playing each other, uh, which is yeah. pretty cool. Um, for me, I do something called a military ring of fire. Basically it's 10 stations. And it's usually when I was younger, it was 12, but I got 10 stations and each station is 60 seconds. That station's uh, mountain climbers. That station's the box jump. That station's push-ups. That station's mountain, um, you know, um, yeah, whatever, yeah. the wall sit. So you You're have this. So the more advanced you are, the, the transition time from one station to another is five to 10 seconds. If you're a rookie. You know, you got to set up 10 seconds, but if you're, if you're, if you're there, if you, if you've been doing this, it's five seconds. Um, if you're a rookie, the 10th station is idle, meaning you don't do anything. Use that one minute to just get water or whatever. But if you're advanced, you just go, you, you go around the world three times. You do all 10 stations and go around the world three times. So I set up my, my the inside of my garage. Cause unlike some people, my garage ain't a mess. And we, yeah. um, three times a week do the ring I do the ring of fire and and you awesome. pick it like if you want to do plyometrics you pick your drills if you want to do more yeah. cardio um you know like the three step one two three one two three one two three um or, or like push-ups like the hand walk you know like the hand walk back and forth so that's what I've been doing to stay in shape you what have you been doing to stay in shape uh Gina and I Gina Urango uh, and I have been going to the park a lot so we go to hot. the park we which was like what does that even mean <laughs> We've gone to the park that's, and that's have enjoyed here. some drinks. Okay. Um, but we've also gone to the park and peppered, done foot drills, done sprints. Um, and we've been pretty loyal to that. Our yeah. park has been our savior, I would say, since we've been quarantined. Tell her she's got to come on the show, dude. Tell she's got to come on the show. Oh, all, of my, all of my people are like, yo, you, get, you need to have more female guests. And I'm like, it's weird because I don't know a lot of them. I know the old school ones. I know, you know, Ali McCulloch. I know Carrie, you know, um, you know, which got me, got me Casey, by the way. Casey was on the show um, um, yeah. way back when. Um, Cassie House, Alexa Strange. So those those are the only girls I had on the show. I want more girls in my life. I'll, I'll bring you know? her on. Yeah. She, she would be on right now if, if she wasn't private shopping. Apparently one place opened up and she knows him or whatever. She's one of the girls. She's, um, when I first started getting into to beach full time, she's one of the first people I like to watch. Cause when Allie was playing, Allie always seemed to run into her. And that was the one person Allie always used to lose to her. And, um, mm. and I think, um, her and Allie played in Chicago together and finished like second or third. And Allie was like, yeah, it was awesome. Not having to play against that girl. <laughs> 2016 i think or something like that something that something I like that. yeah um don't know how long a shirt we're gonna go uh because you know me i could go all day some of these last an hour one lasted two hours and 12 minutes so what i want to do um before we get into like fun we start talking about music or adele and all that stuff or joe rogan um i want to talk about volleyball yeah Be the pod i had you and troy field on my podcast before Manhattan Beach. All right. Now, for those of you listening at home, this is Eric Baranek. All right. This is the hero for hire. This is the hitman for hire. This man made the main draw 
seven times with six different partners. You, you stopped me at any point. Um, so it was for me, if you remember the last podcast, I had you one-on-one and then I had you and Troy on the field. And, and I was like, let's just get this guy one partner for four tournaments. I would love it. I would love it. Enter Bill. <laughs> and it still hasn't happened. But my point is, enter Bill Kalinske. Yeah, Kalinsky's allowed the back in the AVP. Well, big welcome back. You wanted with Bill Kalinsky in the qualifier. I want you. I'm going to take you through some of it, and then I'm going to hand you the reins, okay? Because yes. if anyone took this journey with you, as far as a coach and a fan, as just a fan who 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 loves and who loves and supports you from day one, who who wishes nothing but good things for you, um, I got dropped by Earl and Jake. Because uh, Earl and Jake were picking up Arturo because P1440 yeah. was offering free coaching. So free coaching against paying me. Yeah, fine. Okay, it is what it is. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that is an oh, well, because I think they had more facilities and more resources. But I think if you had to choose a coach who did the homework, who watched all, videos of all the people you played the night before and, you know, yeah. and, and already do a layout. These, these are three things they're going to do in the game. These are three things I think will, will help you. you um, you're going to choose the guy that shows up because he's Brazilian. You're going to choose, are you going to choose the guy that did the homework? Me personally and professional, I thought it was me, but they did their own thing. That's not my point. Sorry, that's a yeah. spiel. Um, so um, one of my other teams is Rob McLean and Rob D'Aurora. So I knew how you play defense. And I know like your initial Twitch reactions and, and what I didn't know is your adjustments. And I knew if I did everything right, it would be good enough to win one set, which, which, which by the way we did. And that was because Rob McLean, and that's because you and Rob McLean were playing. It was like, bam, dig set, bam, dig <laughs> set. There, there were some pretty good jousts at the end. I thought Bill, Bill hit some shots and, and um, Dioraro just missed. And that's, that's volleyball. But yeah, from that point on, and I'm taking you there for a reason, because I thought from that point on, you you guys found your connection, you found your chemistry, you beat Earl and Jake, oddly enough, in the finals, right? Um, I'm doing analytics for Rafu and Ed, so first round you play them, and who's sitting on the bed? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like, <laughs> oh, you're back again. Hi. Well, yeah, I got you the third time. <laughs> um, yeah, you got me. You definitely so, got me. You all right, so now you have a close match against Rafa and Ed. You you lose, and you're like, All right, we're gonna lose this bracket. And then you wind up yeah. playing, um, uh, give me someone because I know it's Case Beer and Shock was, was someone, uh, John Hyden and Theo Brunner 2 0, right? That yeah, was 2 0, yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we played lights out. So, next thing yeah. you know, you start beating teams, and sooner or later, in the in the in the contenders bracket. These big teams that get knocked down, all of a sudden you have to level up because that's a better team, and you level up because that's a better team, and you level up as a better team. Um, my question, and the floor is yours, my man. Did you feel yourself, your level of play, play up as it started to go up? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely did. I think I always felt like I knew that I could play up to that level consistently. And I was doing it in practices, and I've beaten good teams in practice, but have never, you know, proved myself on the court when it mattered. And I think it was kind of a every single match. It was a breakthrough mentally that I was able to, you know, when when it's on the line, they served me almost every single ball. And then when I was playing really good, they're like, oh, we should go back to Bill. At the very end, they would come back to me 
because they're like, oh, well, he's going to blow it 100%. So for me, just to get over that, over the fear of it and over just being comfortable in the thick of it all and having Bill in my ear constantly, which some people would go, oh, that's such a shame. They were like, let, let him play. But I loved it. <laughs> Bill, yeah. I mean, Bill, Bill drove the entire way to go camping. He cooked. He cleaned. He set up the tents. All I had to do was enjoy it. And All you had to do was show, show up and play. He goes, bring your guitar and sit around the fire. Oh, I can do that. Nice. I know. So for me, it just simplified everything. And I think it was what I needed. He was what I needed to get over that mental bump. Man, Bill is, he's a solid dude, man. He's he a is. solid dude. Last time I saw Bill in the semifinals, um, it was New York. He was actually, actually Avery Drost. Avery Drost is playing full-time defense. Um, they made semifinals. And that was the first time I saw Bill Kalinske play. Um, yeah. Isn't it amazing that I feel like I've been in this forever, but I haven't? I feel like, <laughs> dude, I feel like I had Rob Espero on my last episode. And he's homegrown. All right, he's Orange County. And, he, you know, he saw Sarah Hughes play high school and all that stuff. And... I'm having this conversation like like I've been there the whole time. And I think one, I think real recognizes real as far as the passion and what we love and what we and what we what we want for the sport and, and the way we want the sport to love us as much as we love it. And, yeah. and, and two, um, OK, just my natural gift of gab. Um, what was something you remembered about Case Beer and Shock that went to the third set? And you know Case Beer could catch fire with the jump serve. Um, yeah. Who was on his serve to space? Who was he running? Was he running like a right hand just curve that wound up in the middle? Was he doing like Bill Kalinsky left, like a right shoulder serve that was winding up middle? Uh, Bill was no Case making, Beer. Case, yeah. But I'm saying Bill was making really good. I mean, we talked before every single play, and he would give me a little bit of of a, a game time decision. And he would, he would start and he would shift and he would move. But it was the sideline, the middle, for sure, that Case Beer was, was trying to hit. Yeah. I think he did get Bill a few times, I think, on his sideline as well. Mm-hmm. I think it was from the, the left to the left. So, I mean, he, he – served really good in the second set and then the third set he missed a few in big times and, and actually we were off the hook a few times yeah. in that match for sure because we never know i mean he hits it he had he was close a few times yeah he hits it, it's a whole different match um yeah he, he made my top but, five list yeah he, he made a few errors late in the late in that third set yeah i have a show called um um sports debate tuesday and it's really predominantly like football, basketball. But of course, I'm a volleyball guy. Rob McLean, who's my co-host, of course, we're going to talk about volleyball. So we did this, this clip yeah. that got 21,000 views, by the way. My Facebook handle, which one right now, NY Varsity Sports on Facebook, it got 21,000 views. Um, Rob uh, put in his top five male American players, and I did my top five male American, and we did uh, female American players. So, mm-hmm. um, And the cool thing is, like, one, two, and three, everybody kind of has the same thing in their head. But four and five is always interesting. Like his fifth was was really pretty, um, and mine was Case Beer because the guy lives and dies. I mean, his conditioning is off the page. He, he um, like if he were in ancient Rome, he'd probably be nailing people to a cross between playing sports, you know. So, uh, <laughs> oh man! But if you look at his aces, like on the stats on on the leaderboard, 
like the person that's second is not even close. But unfortunately, if you look just, at the errors, <laughs> the service error is the person who's second is not even close. Like, yeah. like, let's say you have to, your server space has to be more competitive, Eric. Um, for you, if you get two aces, two errors, is that considered a win? <laughs> or three and three? Yeah, if you go, if you go one and one, then that's good. One ace, one error. Yeah, that's a good ratio. I mean, yeah, because what doesn't probably... show up on paper is, um, you know, sorry. No, no, yeah, you you said two and two or three and three. Like if you get three three aces, three errors, I always think yeah. it's a good thing because what doesn't show up on paper it means your competitive service generating some out of system, uh, uh, giving them some duress where the hitter is losing some court vision and and his offense is contingent on the call. It's always contingent on the call, but it helps to be in system and see shit and not not even need the call. So, but go ahead. Yeah, I think that three and three. I think you walk away with the win there. Yeah. Yep. Cool, man. You got a good jump serve, dude. You got a good jump serve. And there are some people that, you know, there's some people that pass it better. And, and, um, and the, um, there's some people that don't. And I think you just, I think it's just about knowing your opponent, right? Yeah. You never know. You got to feel it. You got to feel it out. And every single day is different. And the wind's a little different. So you never know. I lost your picture and you're back. Oh, you're back. No problem. Here you go. Yeah, you're back. Um, someone, someone tried to call me. I didn't. <laughs> Tell him, Gina, I'm busy, honey. I'm busy. <laughs> no, did you uh, did you hit the last part, though? Yeah, I did. I did. Because okay. the sound was still there. The picture wasn't, but the sound was still there. Okay, good. We got um, the gist of it. 100%. All right, in our last podcast, you said uh, we were talking about feeling like a stranger or an imposter in the player's tent. Um, mm -hmm. I mentioned Travis Muirwitter. Um, After a while, just constantly making the main draw. He yeah. felt like less of an imposter in a tent. You said something I thought was very, very unique because if people are self-honest with themselves, they feel the same way you did. You said it's the one of the it's the first time this this year is the first time I feel like I'm a professional. Like people yeah. ask what you do for a living, and you tell them you're a professional beach volleyball player, and yeah. some people measure that by how far you get on, on in, in the tournaments. Some people measure you being a professional athlete on how much you make, which I think is, is absolute nonsense because I think as far as training and preparing, uh, beach volleyball players are more physically prepared to play the game than baseball players, all right? And the salaries aren't even close. So, so, so for me, professional means paid. If your salary sucks, it doesn't mean you're not a professional. So yeah. Yeah. Um, my question, bouncing back and not driving us both off the cliff here, um mm -hmm. how 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 comfortable are you telling people you're a professional beach volleyball player i feel comfortable now i mean if, if someone's gonna talk crap then i would say let's play some let's play volleyball and let's see what it. happens yeah um yeah, but there. yeah i mean there's gonna be haters there's still gonna be people i mean there's still gonna be top players that if they were gonna see this they would go you know he's not a professional at all and he's got to prove himself and he's got to be a, a mainstay for this many years until you can whatever it doesn't matter i mean it really doesn't i think no. if you want to call yourself a professional and you're bouncing in and out of qualifiers then call yourself professional because those guys still are taking sets off of professionals um your, your you age know? group is doing that right now your yeah, age group is doing that right now with professionals yes get right? coaching helps dude you you guys are your age group is doing that right now 
I'll bring yeah. your attention to Dylan Merrick uh, and uh, Dave Pond's a little older. Dylan Merrick and those guys. Andy Banesh. Okay, Adams is a little older, but there's this mixture of generational players that, um, and the women don't even get me started. The girls. Uh-huh. Yo, if we were just They're talking about unreal. the girls, I could just, I'm leaving. I know. I'm I'm leaving. I'm just I'm not, we 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 just closed up shopping this. You got 17 yeah, there's no, there's 17 no and 16 year olds making the quarterfinals. You know, you got college girls, Chrissy Jones, Muno making the semifinals. You got, you know, it's it's insane and I know because I coach club and the generation of girls coming up after them. Same thing. <laughs> Same scary. thing. It Woo. is scary. Mm-hmm. They make me feel horrible about myself. Yeah. So, yeah, make you compete. <laughs> they make you compete. Um, yeah, I think um, something you said to, to our generation of players in your generation when when asked, uh, what could we do to be a better player? You just said, stay in the grind whenever you feel like you should take a day off. You don't. You know what I'm saying? If you come if you come back sore, just go back the next day immediately and your body just gets used to that physically. Um, yeah. John Mayer is very good at uh, talking about taking care of things you can control. Mm-hmm. Don't don't sweat the things that you that you that you can't control. Um, how much of that is um, true to your philosophy, um, if not before and now? I think I mean, it's you can play the most amazing game ever and still lose, yeah. and you take you know you take control of your side. And you side out, you keep your serves in, you're serving tough, you can do, you know, you do what you want, you're hitting your high lines, you're, you're making good calls, you're making good reads, um, you're playing a good, clean game, you're controlling your side, you're passing, you're setting great. Um, and that's, all, you know, that's what you want. I think that's what it takes to be super competitive. Yep. But I think to win, you need the one or two spectacular plays you need that a serve you need that crazy dig and that beautiful back set and you know that i feel like that's what's going to give you those little extra points but you still can win by taking care of your side so and you'll take yourself completely out of the game with these professionals when you're not taking care of your side so most of the time with these qualifier teams they already take themselves out of the game they don't give themselves a chance when they probably are just as good, just as athletic. We, you know, we talk about this all the time and you see this all the time. Maybe like I, like we just talked about Rob McLean. There's no way that these guys are way more physical than Rob McLean. The guy hits with both hands, jumps really well, can block and play defense. He does it all. He passes and sets. He's, it was, and physically it was a good year for him. It's uh, psychologically um, with this conversation about belonging and all that stuff, um, yeah. you, you and him, I mean, look, you have Bill Kalinske, all right? But um, he feels the same way you do as far as where he wants to be and where he is right now. He's he's For uber sure. confident right now. He trained with Ali San a little bit over the winter from Brazil. Um, That's amazing. So, the, you know, as far as iron sharpening iron, you guys are on the same wavelength. Uh, yeah, so important. Taking care of your side of the net is, 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 is very, very big. And John and I had a little bit of a debate about that, but I think John was very specific. That kind of got me on board. Like for me, I played indoor. All right. Everything you're saying, I'm going to start with the first thing. Uh, one of my best games as an indoor player, I played in Germany in Darmstadt as an outside hitter. This is before I became a setter. Um, Mm -hmm. my first three years of indoor, four years of competitive indoor volleyball, um, uh, outside hitter, uh, by my fourth year, I was playing pro. 
Um, I was just one of those guys, long arm guys, could play every sport. Like my my wingspan is is six eight. Like I'm six one, so I could do like a bunch of things. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a walking group hug, dude. That is um, But what you were talking about, one of my favorite games. I got 33 kills against uh, Permasants, this um, team in, in Italy. We were playing mm-hmm. a club team, just scrimmaging them before the German regionals. Um, yeah, 33 kills, and I lost. We lost three <laughs> zero. We lost three zero. Uh, so, so it was one of those things where I'm like, "Damn, I finally had a good game." I'm walk. I'm six one amongst these giants, and I finally, you know, one of these games, I, I freaking did my part because I felt like we'd win by more. We were winning. We are yeah. uh, 1993. We were 15 and one in Division One, and the scrimmage we're getting smoked in, in a game. I'm playing well, so you're right. It is sometimes um, there are some things beyond your control. Now, now for John, tactically, I disagree, and and you could chime in, interrupt me at any point. I disagree where taking care of your side of the net helps you beat the teams that you're better than, but also helps it helps you lose to the teams that are better than you. So knowing what they are, are doing on their side of the net, if it's a conjunction with taking care of your side of the net, that's fine. If you know, if you happen to come into the team where you're the better team and the better skill set and taking care of your side of the net makes you win, like I said, beat the teams that you're better than, boom, yeah. don't complicate stuff, take care of your side yeah. of the net. But John was talking more about off the court, like the gym time, your training, how many days a week you do that, uh, preparing, those are a list of controllables that that are implemented and not talked about as far as taking care of your side of the net thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah, to chime in on that. It's kind of, I mean, you want to, we talk about being a professional. Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk about what, uh, what it looks like to be a professional. Hmm. And I think having a consistent training regimen, eating good, getting a good night's rest. You're big on uh, sleep. Yeah, not not completely blowing it, drinking white claws on the on the strand all the time. You know, do what you can do. Do you, yeah. do you really want to know what was in what was in here? Oh, I already know. I already know. <laughs> See, well, we boys. if you can control it, mm-hmm. then you can control it. I mean, everyone's different. Everyone's Got very it. different. Um, but if you can control and be your best self. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a very different story. Definitely. Uh, I'd like, um, I have a suggestion for like the, the, the volleyball franchises, the AVP and P1440. Mm-hmm. I think um, player sequester would be cool. Like, let's say you guys have a goal. Let's say uh, in this fantasy world, July 20th, yes. uh, the AVP Hermosa Beach. All right, 24th to the 26th. 25th is my, 26th is my birthday, by the way. I turned 50. Um, my mom's birthday as well. Yep. Really? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Cool. And your mom, like, happy 23 to her, man. That girl's, like, forever young, you know? Yeah. That's another. You, he, listen. We're, she's going to watch this. She's going to watch this, and it's going to make her entire month. So. Yeah. Yep. Well, hey, we both drank the Kool-Aid, except she drank a pitcher. Um, <laughs> but I, I like sequestering athletes let's say you need a month or three weeks to prepare for a tournament um Mm -hmm. get testing kits test your tell yourself sequester yourself from from your family just team members and coaches only and after a three-week period if no one has the virus compete compete that's what the ufc did 
the, the, and yeah. someone that had flu-like symptoms. They took they uh, Jacare Souza. He's supposed to fight Uriah Hall. They took him. They took him um, off the card. But mm -hmm. in these sports where it's two on two, tennis where it's one on one, and and just basically any combat sport, sport, sequester and compete. I don't want to hear this. I, I mean, for me, I don't want to hear about can't. I'm not a can't dude. I'm a Ken. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. but they're away from their families. It's like, so what? So what? You go to Chicago, you go to Hawaii. Guess what? You're away from your family. Not all of your family's going to go. <laughs> yeah. So um, what are your thoughts about, um, I don't know, maybe maybe from the brass on down, uh, working on ways to sequester, training reg uh, regimen. Turn quarantine into quarantine. Hey, yo. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I mean, anything it takes. If it was Amazon Prime, you know, mm. hosting like they've been doing. And uh, we were able to get that coverage. Terrific. It would, yeah, it would be great. And I think it could be a new way to market and get volleyball out and maybe take this and spin it in a different way. Because mm -hmm. um, that's all we can do. But I would totally do it. <laughs> Even if I lived with my coach and Andy for, for three weeks and we yeah. just trained every single day. I mean, that's way better than being alone mm. uh, and not playing volleyball. So. Well, the reason why I brought it up is I think the more that sports that are that are able, as far as the can is concerned, or that are able to do it, the more there's a trust system and just letting everybody hide, hide um, get out of their house. I mean, here, here's okay. Here are the facts: the COVID, the the virus spread really, really fast in a short amount of time. Okay, mm -hmm. now I'm going to give you the facts and I'm going to give you the truth. The truth okay. is. Um, we were derelict. Our government was derelict as far as recognizing how dangerous this thing was and that, and, be, and it spread as a result of it. So that, that's a fact. That's a truth. Fact. If you stay home and practice social distancing, it, it, it flattens the curve uh, uh, on the virus. Truth. Yeah. Now, now the truth there, um, you, there has to be an end game to this. The, you cannot hide behind your door. Because there's a virus on the other end. You you cannot, the reality, the truth is you cannot hide behind your door waiting for a vaccine. That that yeah. might come, that might come November, that might come November next year. Mind you, only for one strain, never mind the, the three strains they're talking about. So fact, yeah, this, this does help prevent you from getting it. The truth and the reality is people are not going to stay behind their door forever. They, they can't, for the ones that can afford to and, and work at home, good for you. But the, I mean, you, this, this is not a yeah. reality. So I, I guess the reason why I even brought this up, Eric, is because I think through sports that have less competitors that don't have multiple competitors like soccer like uh, um yeah. uh, football uh, um base uh well baseball they're like so freaking far from each other but never mind um the more that they show it's possible the more that the government and the civilian population trust each other with just being socially responsible yeah like a, a sick cheerleader effect in some way i mean the first thing that they told us was what we're going to do is quarantine we're going to flatten the curve so when we do come back out people are still going to get it but, but the hospitals now have more room for hospitals right and i feel like we need to go back to the early stages of our of our mindset yeah quarantine and then now we have to slowly open things up and normalize which we are doing to a, a certain extent 
Yeah. There's people that are abusing that. There's people that are staying really good. And I'm sure that's a mix between our, our athletes, our volleyball athletes. Yeah. And I think so, any, any strand going Californian wants to beat the crap out of people who are, who are not being responsible in their mind. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're ruining this for everybody. They see, oh, they see, you know, that we ask for social, social, whatever, um, distancing you, you guys are acting like it's this zombie apocalypse. Everyone's all bunched together. Uh, Big up to the state of Florida who ruined it for everybody, right? Remember the news? They they, they showed a picture of the beach. Yeah. It's you want to talk about scared, right? You want to talk about being scared or just like making everybody scared. All all the news had to do was do a show something like that. And then Newsom uh, saw that across from pond, you know, from um, coast to coast and was like, shh, shh, <laughs> Florida's weird, man. Florida's something in the drinking weird. water there, dude. Yeah, there's something there's definitely something wrong with the water in Florida. Yeah. People people they're just tweaked a little differently. Yeah. And if you're if you're watching this from Florida, then you're probably a little screwed up. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes they are. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We are too. We are too. Yeah. But you're just a little different. I am a little different. But but you're right, man. I don't know what the hell's going on in Florida. I mean, it yeah. seems like every time someone gets shot, it's Florida. Every time someone's disobeying the law, it's Florida. Every time someone's standing their ground, it's Florida. A lot of, you know? a lot of Florida volleyball players. Yeah. Dave Palm's my dude, though. Who's your favorite I, I Florida don't player? I don't know him that well, but <laughs> who, seems like a nice guy. Who do you know and like from Florida? You need to start naming names. All right, I'm going to do... um. Well, I like Dave Palm. He lives out there. Um, I don't know if Phil and Nick live there. They, they, do they live in California? Or they, they live in Florida. They did. Um, I don't know if they're. I think they're back. Uh, J.M. Plummer. Yeah. He's a Florida guy. Yep, he, he is. He has to yeah, stop filming his games. Grand twist. <laughs> yep. They're both very nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, let's see. They're trapped. <laughs> yeah. Right. Who am I missing? Um, that's it everyone pretty much yeah. <laughs> that's it well my favorite is dave palm because i got to know him better I, I called the nvl when the nvl visited hermosa beach in 2016 i call you know i was um had the headset on i was calling the match and um got to know him he's a caveman at the net he's really really good i got to yeah. know another side of him because in huntington the qualifier him and jeff samuels i was working i was doing stats for jeff samuels so and him and jeff played together and um they really should have qualified but but um but they didn't because Brandon Clemens and Marek caught fire. And that, that was the tournament. If you remember, Brandon Clemens got hurt, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Man, speaking of hunks, man, oof. the two of y'all play together. That's, that's it. That's, that's the, that is the end of the, of our social world as we know it. <laughs> all this, all of this hunking is consolidated into two guys. <laughs> Team uh, hunking hair. Yes. <laughs> He's a smart dude too. He's a smart dude. I had him on the yeah. podcast too. Yeah. He, he is very, very bright. Um, he's Indiana, Indiana born. He spent a lot of time on the East Coast because, as you know, um, he uh, went to Harvard. He played indoor. Mm -hmm. He played indoor at Harvard yeah. University. Yeah. So I've known some... Brandon Clemens since USA Volleyball. I was, I think, nineteen at the time, uh -huh. and I they let me join the U twenty three group, mm -hmm. and Ingenio let me kind of sneak in there. That's cool. Yo, that's my um, secret. Listen, you're a Redondo kid, so everybody likes Redondo kids. Yeah, we'll take know. it. But, to, yeah, know. I've known uh, – it's been cool to see Brandon and, you know, 
myself both. You know, we give each other pats on the back. He's doing a great job. Yep. So yeah. uh, I've, I've been along for the ride. Man, the real question is how much does everybody love Duncan Avery, dude? Everybody loves them some Duncan Avery. Yep. He was on my podcast. He had, yeah. he had 21,000 views on my podcast. You know what? I started that and then something happened. I took on the call and then I had to go. Yeah. And I never got to finish it. I, uh, I think I watched half of that. But I gotta, yeah. I gotta finish the other half. Well, it's a tearjerker. So I mean, prepare yeah. yourself. I mean, you know, with his kids and everything like that. Yeah. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. Anyone that goes to Redonda, even the people that don't, um, you pray. For, I, I pray for this man's family because, as far as nice guys are concerned, and wanting good things for nice people, is anyone yeah. better? Is anyone better? Is anyone better than that guy? There isn't. Sad. Yeah, man. I still coach one of his teams, Evolution. I'm still um, mm -hmm. I'm a fifth year coach. Good. Yeah, that, you, that's why I love the guy. I went when I moved here. I visited, you know, Miro Costa. I visited Redondo. Just wanted to see what the, you know, I've been coaching indoor for 21 years. And I just yeah. wanted, you know, the NCAA level. So I wanted to see what the situation was. And he had coaches. I think you were one of them, right? You were, um, um, were you one of the JV or whatever? That was a, um, yeah, it was, uh, I was, Ma just was Miles with him too? Was Miles with too? Yeah, Miles. Miles, Miles as well was yeah. the assistant varsity coach. Yeah. I think that was around that time, but. You know, yeah. when, he, when, when he gave me one of his club teams, and you know, some coaches take club seriously and some people don't, but me, if anyone knows anything about me, and I think you do, if I get, if someone gives me a job to do, there is no, there is no halfway. If I'm sweeping, yeah. if I'm sweeping the floor, guess what? It's spotless, right? So, you know, I got, I got a team that he got was ranked 41st on like SCVA. By the time we got to nationals, we were ranked fifth in the country. So, so I busted, awesome. I busted my behind, but it that was because awesome. you, you want to do nice things for that guy. You, um, you wanted to build the brand for Evolution Club Volleyball because it was, I think he was only three years in at that time. So and now, you know, now there's something. Now Tom Chaffins is there. Um, now Kevin Norman's, oh, got Nathan, so yeah, now Kevin Norman's with us. So, um, yeah. Remember Lewis Richard, um, played yeah. for Long, outside hitter for Long Beach state. He coached the 18s last year. So, oh. so we got a nice little, um, rock star, uh, cast, uh, class. Yeah. I played yeah. with Lewis in high school. Oh, you did. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Lewis is a stud. Yeah. But I thought you'd appreciate the name, you know, because your process as a volleyball player has not been a revolution. It's been... <laughs> My dude, it's been an evolution. It's been a slow, grinding, inconvenient, pride-swallowing, up-in-the-morning siege, my man. And here you are oh, yeah. on the other end, man. Did you finish fifth at Hawaii? I was looking yeah, at I did. JBVB. I finished fifth in Hawaii. All right, cool. Who'd you lose to? Uh, Jake and Taylor. Jake and Taylor. You yeah. know, you know my, my favorite match in Hawaii was? For mm. the finals, man. Watching Theo oh, and, um, Theo and Johnny all the way from the qualifier. I was sitting in the in the cabana with Randy Stoklos, and we were just chatting. It was so cool just to be with him. And uh, that was a great Vincent. match. It was a great match. Freaking Rolo Vincent. <laughs> after uh, after John, I see him later that night. He's like, "Good match, right?" I'm like, "Great match, yeah, fantastic." He's like, "I, I thought so too." Talk about a guy that defines devised time, huh? Yeah, he's he's got to be forty seven right now. He's forty. He has to be forty seven or something like that. That is ridiculous. I know. I'm like, he has people to... ask me, mm -hmm. you know, how long are you going to play volleyball for? And I go, I don't know. This this guy just keeps setting the bar higher and higher. So who knows? He's the one that makes you get up in the middle of the night and start training again. I'm like, dude, I ain't trying to get herbs by a 47-year-old. 
Yeah. And I only knew he was that yeah. old. I only knew he was around that age because I watched him play indoor. All right. He was um, on the Olympic team in 1996, Atlanta. He was a fourth string outside. They called him Whiskers. He had a little, this little uh, blonde, blonde beard thing going, and he just kept saying, "Hey, put me in, coach." Blah blah blah. So, so the math tells me he has to be uh, a minimum of forty six and maybe forty nine, like uh, around that time. So that was yeah. my, that was my favorite match. What was your favorite match in Hawaii that you played? Well, there was a really good game against Billy and Stafford that we played, and we won in three. That was, I thought I played really crisp. I mean, everyone did. I, I thought even Billy and Stafford played, played good. It was just a good game. But there was one game that went in the 30s. I think it was 33-31 or something like that, or 31-29 against uh, Riley and Madison. Okay. And it was kind of nice to play against a, a local team, you know, and, and be the bad guy. A significant win. Yeah. Oh my God. That's Hawaii, right? Ooh, Puna who yeah. Puna who high school kids. Yeah. Oh boy. Oof. Yep. I know. So, and and uh, you know what? <laughs> and you know what? They're you want to talk about evolution. They're not the same team they were a year ago. I know. They're very, very good. We um they I mean are. I coached Jake and um Earl into the um main draw in Hermosa. We played them first and the first game they beat us twenty one nine. It was just a uh, Riley. And, Riley, uh, Riley I was, was playing just say, defense. Serving his defense was unreal. Yeah, he was just he took his time. He took his time because it it's not like there's some plays that you lunge out and everyone just goes, "Oh my god, he got it." Those weren't plays that we were wowing Riley. We were just wowing that he allowed the game to come to him, and like all of his progressions on defense, all of his dives didn't look like something spectacular. It was it looked he and they were spectacular. He just made yeah. them look like a normal day. You yeah, know? I was just he was playing volleyball. It was natural. Yeah. I like and um yeah. So I made some adjustments in the middle like that made us we were I mean the second set we led 14-12, but I mean they just they just cracked the code. So um they they, yeah. they did a good job serving Jake and just jumping in a, on Oceanside, um just jumping in on the four block because they knew Jake couldn't cut back past Madison's right elbow. And anything mm -hmm. he tries to cross is just getting was just getting thrown down. So so I thought Madison did a good job. And the the only adjustment I made was what you and Bill were doing, um just back set. Like whenever yeah. you guys won on the south side or whatever, um, and yeah. the left side hitter, I said go ninety percent. Anything, anything that goes in front of you, to your right shoulder, just run a back set. Got to make Madison move, and you got to, and we got to find a way to stop setting Jake into the block. You know, we got we got housed twenty one nine on court one, and we got housed. <laughs> That's it's, my. Uh, it's scary to yeah. be on that that right windy side, mm -hmm. and you know you're in the. I think that's the worst corner in yeah. beach volleyball right there. Definitely. That is, that's where all of my bad dreams lie. Yep. Uh, right in that corner, a ball set close to the pin. It's dying inside away from you and you're, you know, reaching for it. And you're you can't like, do it. You're trying, trying to cut over the ball. Just... And then they're running fours on you constantly. And yep. It's tons yep. in your face. You're like, this is this is my nightmare you know, like this is for the birds <laughs> yeah. yeah dude that that was the team i was most proud of i mean working with teams that are already in the main draw is one thing but yeah you got a team that tried to make tried to make the main draw seven times um and that was their first one um and, that, and again it's hermosa beach it's our birthday right my birthday yeah, yeah. so it was, it was a nice little birthday present i got we made the draw um tower 12 that night it was a karaoke competition like a wall of fame thing 
Um, <laughs> they they gave me a little cheddar cheese and you know some discount stuff at you know and I didn't win first. They didn't they they didn't give me first and my girlfriend Kelly was pissed. Kelly's wait, <laughs> Kelly was pissed because one she thought I deserved it and two she um she doesn't stay out late. She stayed out to yeah. two o'clock in the morning because the judge said I won. And the guy, <laughs> the judge, because the guy who runs it, the, the competition went to the judge and said, who you think deserves to win? He's like, Jason, he sang, I sang Stand By Me and kind of souped it up a okay. little bit. You know, um, I was, I was just like, you know, when the night has come and then at the end, um, then the land is dark and the moon is the only life we'll see. So I started, Ooh. I played with it and everyone liked it. So when he asked the judge, he said, Jason, hands down. And then the host arbitrarily gave it to someone who was, who was going deploying to Afghanistan. So, and oh, I thought wow. that was a, a nice gesture and I thought that was cool, but I'm like, wait a second. I'm a Gulf War vet. I can't get mine. Like you can't, you can't give it to the person that got that came back alive. That's awesome. <laughs> no. So, but it was it was one of those type birthdays. Box seats for the finals. Um, uh, Greg Faulkner and those guys all chipped in, got me box seats for like um, you know, oh, um, for Saturday or whatever. That's awesome. And, um, but I really, really um, what was the first um time you made the draw in Hermosa? Was it Yoder? Yeah. That was, yeah, that was my first time. You played, you, you made one of my highlights. It was um, at Satterfield and uh, Burek. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the left-hand scoopy. Yep. Um, How about the go under, go the, under the net? Yeah. Go, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Left-hand scoopy. The net, off the court, uh, back bump, whatever, throw it over, and then Yoder blocks him. Nice. Blocks him on the line, yeah. So... You've gotten to travel a lot with um, FIV, uh, with Norseka or, or um, sorry, AVP. Um, where's one of the, what's, give me an interesting story as far as like staying at a hotel or just fans or whatever. Maybe something from New York, something, something, Oof. give me, is, is there anything interesting or do you just stay holed up? Well, I will tell you one thing. I've never been to New York and for some reason I feel like I'm, cursed with that event um, because the first year that I was trying to go, I signed up with Will Huey, who was Canadian, I think he's seven feet tall. And Evie called me and was like, hey, I think you should give this guy a shot. And I, you know, I looked him up, I did my, my background, and I didn't really have too many options at that time. So I said, screw it. He's seven feet tall. Yeah, we're here. Time to, time to play some... Uh, Time to be the ball control guy that I've been training for for the last four years. Um, but we didn't have enough points because they were doing a uh, condensed qualifier. What year and was then that? the following year, I uh, had a cyst in my tailbone, so I had missed Seattle last, last year, year. and uh, and New York. Mm -hmm. So and then this year with the quarantine thing, I think I'm cursed. Someone doesn't want me to go to New York. And that's too bad because New York would love you. <laughs> I would love New York from yeah. what I hear. Yeah. When I go to New York, uh, my boy, uh, DJ Stoon, he's just a world-renowned DJ, but he cut his teeth in New York, you know, in the downtown area. Just this hard-working Moroccan cat, you know, and now mm -hmm. and now, he's uh, he was on the podcast. Right now, he has 26,000 views and climbing, so people are still, people are still clicking on it. Um, but he's the kind of guy 
like whenever I think I deserve something or I work hard, I look at him and I'm like, nope, I ain't work hard enough. Nope. Nope. Get up. Get up off your ass. This hardworking <laughs> um, kid immigrated from Morocco, went to high school, you know, mm-hmm. in New York and Brooklyn. I met him through volleyball because he was like one of these hybrid middles. One of these yeah. short guys, short, one of these small, you know, you, you see these small middles that have a fast attack and they got athleticism where they're touching up blocks where you're just like, oh my God, this kid's playing middle and he doesn't have height. So he's one of them guys. And then yeah. he just, next thing you know, he, he caught a break at Hudson Terrace. He's supposed to open up for a DJ and the premier DJ got arrested by the police that night. <laughs> he got stopped oh, by the God. cops and he's just like, fuck you to the cops. And they're like, you want to go to jail? Yeah, yeah. You take me to jail, f you, and then they took him to jail. So my boy Abdel ended up doing feature that night, and then Hudson Terrace was like, "Hey, you're our guy from now on." And now he's at Lavo, which is their premier place. Marquee is one of their premier places. Four times he goes to, to Rio. Four, he goes to Rio four times a, a year. He goes to London four times a year. He um, Vegas, you know, he cleans up a little bit. D- doesn't gamble, so he pretty much takes all that money home. <laughs> Like Vegas Good. one night, like $4,000 one night. It's crazy. Um, so he's very, very privileged that this is, it's his sole source of income. Cause a lot of DJs, you know, they got to do, do stuff on the side. Like Roche right now. I wish if he, if this is his sole source of income right now, I'm so happy for him. Cause I think for a while he's working at Verizon and maybe, and maybe he's not now because he's one of them deserving cats too. I yeah. think for his style and you'll agree, you agree with me on this and chime in anytime for his style. Or, and for what he's doing, like game DJs or like stadium uh, um, uh, event DJs, he's he's mm-hmm. top he's top of the heap. Oh, I hundred percent. Yep, top yeah. of the heap. So so by yeah, but Abdel right now he's making so much money right now. He bought an apartment and he moved his mother. He's like you. He's a mama's boy. He moved his mother in an apartment. He bought an apartment for his mother next door for him to him. <laughs> Which oh, is wow. exactly what you're gonna do <laughs> when you get to where you gotta go. Take care of mom, Dukes. <laughs> yeah, we gotta take care. We gotta take care of our own. So yeah, um, Troy told you the pizzas there. The pizza, pizza there is awesome, right? So yeah, I'm gonna make sure I got your first slice. All right, we get out there. I got your first slice. Deal. I was gonna. Um, I was offering my services too to do stats and stuff for you too. I remember, and you were like, "Sure," you know. It's one of the other things I love about you, man. You're you're a freaking true baller. You pick up the phone and say yes. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for always being so supportive. And yeah. now we got each other's backs. So so you said you were training with Andy. Are we talking about Banesh? Yep. You got it. Yep. What school did Andy play for? Indoor. USC. Um, and then I've known him. I played against him uh, when I was at Redondo. I'll never forget the game against him, which he played at Palos Verdes High School. And I was a serving sub at the time, a junior, and he was a senior. Mm-hmm. And it was him, Cole Fierce. Cole Fierce was setting. And if Andy wasn't hitting, Cole was going on too. <laughs> it was so Lefty. nutty. Yeah. And I remember, I'll never forget this, is um, I remember just seeing Cole and, and Andy, and, you know, seeing these guys. Cole looks exactly how he looks like now. You know, a golden god. Yeah. You know, lifting he up his shirt. probably had chest at during, 16. During the during the timeout wiping his face and you know looking back and all the girls are like what the hell uh, i was like this guy is just he is so physical at this point he's 17 or 18 years old and he's a full man and andy's bouncing balls in the gym and screaming through the net i'm like okay i'm just coming in as a serving sub i don't really know what's going on right now but <laughs> that's all that's, that's my that's my first Andy, uh, 
Andy Benish story. Mm. And then uh, after he took that seventh in Hermosa, I had my my eye on him. Yep. And we were in Chicago, and I told him, I was like, hey, just keep it up. I wouldn't be surprised if you and I run into each other in the future and, and play. Yep. He's like, yeah, that'd be great. And we're sitting at a bar in, in Chicago having a beer together. And then it, uh, it just happened. Good. It just happened. Good. Yo, dude. It's so natural. Dude, there's not – listen, two guys that are down for whatever teaming up with each other, I'm a, that's definitely a team I'm going to follow. I mean, you as an individual, again, for the last two, three years, I feel like um, – and you're very, very good for the fans because like the UFC fighters, you always, you're always accessible. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? You connect with the fans, um, the the ones that are there live. <clears throat> you 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 did something I, that was number one on my playlist and walked over and gave me like a double pound, like a double, like a double tap, a, a <laughs> like a high five type thing. You know, because yeah. it, it was something that you yeah, noticed on the court and just walked over and did that. That was, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna play it anymore. I play it every time you're there. I'm not gonna play. I swear <laughs> to God, I'm not gonna play it anymore. Okay, it was. Like, listen, do you remember the play? And Any, next episode, do you remember the play? That's next right. Episode. Yeah, only you ass hats that want to know. Just go on YouTube, look up top ten plays, uh, Manhattan Beach. Top ten plays, Manhattan Beach Open 2018. Um, Eric made yep. number one, and then I did that little uh, insert from the wire, where I was like, "Don't seem possible." <laughs> yeah, don't. That's, that's some, awesome. That's some Spider Man shit right there. <laughs> that that little a, scene from the wire. That was, a fun match. That was a really fun match. <laughs> so, um. I'm going to go a little Q&A on you for a minute. Yeah. At what point was there a particular tournament um, that you told yourself, I'm, I can do this for a living? Was there a break? Was there a breakthrough tournament in your childhood, senior year, young adult life? Oh. You're, still, you're still mad young. I'm not talking about, oh, when I was a kid. Dude, you're still a kid. <laughs> you know, it was... Pete Davidson, I believe that I was watching that. This what this isn't. Um, I'm just telling you a little funny story because I, I watched his little comedy skit. He has a really funny one about if you type Pete Davidson and then uh, airplane skit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hilarious. You would yeah. love it. Um, but he's sitting there. He's like, Yeah, I'm 23, um, and I feel old, you know. But that's all I know. I've lived 23, you know, 23 years. So it feels old to me. That's what I know. So fuck you guys. It was really funny. You, you have to watch it. There's a lot of uh, X-rated stuff he says after that. But we'll uh, we'll leave that for the viewers that want to. That's right. They want to venture further it. than this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So. But I think for me, I played. It was a year that John Mesco at 8th Street threw on a little secret tournament. And top team showed up and I played with Tim May at the time. Oh, Timothy May. Dude, yeah. Dude's a hoss, man. Built like he a is truck. A beast. He has a cannon. He's a big boy mm-hmm. with a great block, great technique. So Even he was a fun still, person to play still, with. Yeah. And I was, I was 19 or 18 at that time. It was a rock and brew tournament. There was a lot of main draw teams in there. It was definitely, uh, feeling a little bit outside my comfort zone. And we beat Andrew Dentler and Skyler, I forget his name, the NBL guy, Skyler. Oh, um, um, Del, McCoy. Del, Del, oh, McCoy. Yes. McCoy. That one. Yep. I know that. Yeah, we, uh, we beat them. And then we had lost to Todd Rogers and Robbie Page after that. 
and I played a really good game against Todd Rogers. And I'll never, ever forget this match because we had, this was the first time I felt like I had people around my court and it was just a super chill tournament. It was low key, but there was people around the court cheering and I felt the vibe for the, one of the first times and Rogers and I were trading cut shots, you know, from 10 feet off the net It would cut. And I'd be like, that was the sickest cut ever. He'd pick it up. He'd cut. I would pick it up. And we just kept trading cuts and cuts. And, you know, some would go down, some wouldn't. We had a great match that went into overtime. We lost. But after the uh, the game, I asked him, and you know, I told him I'm a you know, huge fan, but if you had to give me some sort of feedback, what would it be? And he said, I know when you're shooting and I know when you're hitting because when you're shooting, you take a little bit of a longer Off look. Yes. Just a little bit. So he told me, you know, right when you are going down to do your approach, take the littlest little look and then uh, do your thing, which I'm still working through now. But that was a big thing that resonated with me. And I think that's a big thing that contributes to my defense. So I'm just able to maybe see it a little bit better than other people. I don't know. I'm just guessing here. You know, why would you call me a good defender? Um, instead of all the other guys out there. Why am I maybe a little bit better? Maybe it's because I'm quick, or maybe it's because I have a good idea of where they're going to go based off of what they have done in the past. Or maybe I I see it and I go, there's no way he's hitting the ball. So I'm in a stance to run. And, And maybe it's a combination of all the three. But I'll never forget having that conversation. And my friend actually took a picture of me and it says Eric thinks he's cool because he's talking to Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> and you're like, yes, of course. Of course yeah. I think I'm cool. I'm talking to an Olympic gold medalist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like in the Avengers when Thor told Loki, he says, you think yourself better than these people. He's like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was the moment you're like, okay, I could do this for real. Yeah. I, uh, and I remember Theo Brunner had given me some compliments. He's like, dude, you're a baller. Love that. And I feel like that stayed with me for so long. And I think in Theo's eyes too, I was, I was a lot better (laughs) than what I actually was because I had a, you know, a decent tournament. And I think I was, I was when I played that, Mm -hmm. uh, which gave me a little bit of confidence. Um, And Tim and I actually played in an NBL qualifier and we lost to Christian Honer and, and someone else. I forget, but we had a, we were close to greatness. I had a few events that had tweaked my, my mindset and my, and sparked my interest just a little bit more and gave me those extra pushes, those super close losses that I was there and I was on the brink of it. Um, one was just a fun tournament at 16th street. I love playing four man. If you don't know that about me, I'll play on the weekend all the time at 21st street at 16th street, but it was a 16th street tournament and we're in the quarterfinals and it's actually against Rob Diorora. Okay. And maybe you think, Oh, Rob is maybe an average doubles player. I think that guy can be hot on any given day, especially in the wind. You don't want to face, you know, Rob. No. Um, but I think he's a great four man player and the guy has, he hits the ball so freaking hard yeah. and he's hitting the deep corners, ripping balls and they go up ahead on us. And I think they're, they're up 14, 11. And I come back 
you know, and come back and win. But there was one point where I was blocking at the net and I pulled and got a jumbo on the, uh, on the big court. Okay. And I knew he wasn't going to, you know, swing. So I went up, I faked it. And then I just sprinted and I ran towards the angle and I just so happened to guess right. And I grabbed it. My partner set me 50, 50 and I completely buried it. And I ran around giving everyone high fives because there was about 200 people around the court and everyone was throwing sand in the air. And it would have been such a cool picture to get. And I'll never forget this moment because that was the first time I was like, I really love this. This is so much fun. And we came back and we won that game. Yeah, me. Um, I'm a late bloomer. I started playing at 17. There's a hot Dominican girl. You know, New York has a good Ooh. New York has a good immigration population. So you know, if they've been playing at an early age in their country and come to the United States, they already come here ballers, right? It's not like yeah. they're they're getting great American coaching. Some of them are, but some, some so many of them are already ballers before they even came here. So saw a cute girl, thought I could play the sport, got embarrassed by a bunch of you know people that can play. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like picture in your head like you're fishing right with a bunch of people. And you yeah. catch this big ass flounder and you, you put the flounder and you take it off the hook and you just throw it on the, on the boat, on the deck. And you're watching the flounder just do all this. That's how I felt. I've everyone looking at me, just flop, <laughs> flop around like, like I could still swim. It was embarrassing. So I bought a book and coached myself. I bought an um, American volleyball coaches association handbook written by Doug That's Beal and my breakthrough game where I, I was like, I love this sport. Not not that I could do it professionally, but I love this sport was when um we're playing an all Chinese team in New York, the Chinese populations at the high school level is it. All right. Maybe they stop growing and maybe they don't they're too smart to play college, right? Because there's only four point five yeah. scholarships. Maybe they got academics. But there was a game where they just set me a ball and I hit it. Another one, I hit it. Another one I hit it. And I got a thir- like thirteen straight kills. And everyone in the gym that was just dying to see this all Asian team get beat by someone, I single handedly won this game. And I was like, okay, I can play this. This would be fun. And then, yeah. But then it took off, Eric, when I was in the army. The army, you're in the best shape of your life after boot camp, after uh, advanced individual training, after airborne school. So it's one of those things. I played for a military community team. And then mm. I uh, I tried out for the All Army team and I made that. They flew me out to Fort Benjamin Harris. I made that team. And then this club team in Germany that uh, scouted me out and asked me if there's any way I could be in the Army and still play for them. And and I was like, I need a request for release from my commander. Um, yeah. Had a new captain. He was an idiot. He was an asshole. I'm gonna say it again. He was a ass for my sponsors asshole. who are gonna be mad. He was an asshole. Um. Mm-hmm. But what happened was my sergeant major, and this is a guy, there's certain people, all right, like certain teachers or, or like uh, coaches, you don't want to be near them because every time they see you, they want to F with you. So this guy, this sergeant major, no one wants to be around. You say good morning. He's looking at you to see, make sure your boots are shined, to make sure your, your, your uniform's pressed, to make sure, you know, you know, why are you out here? Who's your sergeant in charge? He's going to get a call from me. So he's wait, one of them guys. Wait, wait, wait. Come here. Let's do it. Come here. Yeah, so he's, what's up? Oh my God, there he is. Hello. What's up, Mr. Field? How'd that, how, how'd that volleyball footage turn out? 
We're six feet apart, but it looks closer on camera. Yeah, it looks really close on camera for some reason. I don't know. Is it, is it the setting? Is it the fisheye? No, nah, it's perfect. Eye. It's perfect. I'm going to split screen anyway, but I got the two of you. So, Troy, basically, I was telling him story when I was in the military, and um, I was asking a request for release to play professional volleyball um, because I saw someone do it for rodeo. They called it a public relations mission, and my boy did it for rodeo and wound up going to Spain. So what happened is my company commander wasn't down with that because the Army doesn't have enough generator mechanics, or at least at that time. Um, yeah. But I ran into a sergeant major who no one wanted to be around because he's always trying to gig you. Why aren't your boots shine? Why is your uniform sloppy? Who's your sergeant in charge? So ran into this guy, and I'm like, listen, I'm Alpha Company. We're playing Delta. You're the battalion um, sergeant major. Why don't you come watch the game? And he's like, Sure. Okay. <laughs> so he goes to watch the game and I have the game of my life. Um, again, like I told you before, 13 straight kills or 14 straight, I single-handedly won this game. And he goes to the Colonel, the battalion commander and says, I've never, this is the best volleyball player I've ever seen in my life. And the Colonel signed the request for my lease, for my release and four months out of the year, 1992 and 1993, they released me to play uh for darmstadt's uh, uh um club team for the division one club team so, and, so it cool. Cool. and it was cool and it was cool because and also thank you for your service yeah, and yeah. It, you. oh my god and it was cool because it was in darmstadt so it's not like i had to leave the army i could still work in the motor pool in the morning and then for the training <laughs> sessions um we were doing two a day so a training session i would do during my lunch time which was an hour and a half and then in the evening you know we do this we do the two hours um they would never they would never train longer than two hours some people some coaches like your coach like he'll have a practice and he'll see some discoveries and hey let's 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 let this ride a little longer let's see where it goes you know yeah. nope you're in you're out but when you're in your ass belongs to them just bell to bell um, actually, that was a question I had for you. Do you do, do your practices run over sometimes because you have some discoveries, or or do or or, or is the ship is the ship tight? Uh, it's pretty loose. Okay, ship's pretty loose. All right, ship's rocking most of the time. Cool. Um, <laughs> I would say I would say we always discover a little something, but it's whether sometimes we'll talk about it. Usually after, and most of the time we don't actually do it. But okay. sometimes it's like oh. Like I know one practice you wanted to work on, you know, your back sets because you had never. Oh yeah, of course. I didn't know we were doing the whole big sunglasses thing. Oh, we're yes. doing the whole big sunglasses. Uh, that's, right. that's that's yeah. for rock yeah, stars. There, that's there for rock like, stars. Like a couple, couple of practices where you just like. All right, like there was one time where Casey and I, we did a bunch of touches, but the actual like, hey, where do you like your back set? About a month and a half, two months into our partnership. We never knew like how we wanted our back set. So we just stayed half an hour later to run back sets, which is funny because that's like, you know, that should be figured out early on. But, that's instrumental. Yeah. Eric, Eric and I were just talking about like, um, Hermosa beach, ocean, the strand. A lot of times you're going to, you, I mean, Bill, Bill Kalinsky and you guys, 90% of the time you ran a back set off. Um, when you are on the South side of the, the South side of the pier. So, or, or south side, uh, ocean side, north, south. Yeah. It's the north. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, ocean yeah, side, south. Him, nine Bill, out of ten Bill times you ran a back set. Bill is south side. Yeah. Yep. Troy, you doing a lot of the same thing with um, you and Casey? As far as running back sets? Yeah. Uh, no. I, I traditionally just will have – it kind of depends on, you know, how we want to, like – set up our passing like if our if, if the wind's strong enough then yeah run a back set but yeah. casey doesn't run back a whole lot 
He really no. doesn't. He likes freaking gnarly sets. Yeah, Casey's yeah, more for sure like that to, to mess with the blocker rather than get him more comfortable. The dude is so streaky too because there's some some points where he, when he's on – he can do no wrong. I've seen plays where he missed and he didn't. And he didn't miss. It's like, dude, he, what? You just missed yeah. and you can't. You can't miss. What? So Troy, um, Eric was talking about how he was jinxed by New York City, and you had a um, polar opposite result. <laughs> Wound up in the finals. Yeah. Um, any interesting subway story? No, I did eat at the same pizza place every night. I got like four slices of pizza every yes. night. Was it Ben's? New York Pizza Suprema. Shout out to you guys. Ooh, I can't believe you ate pizza yeah. before playing. You're like, you know, we've talked about what a professional looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, we had this discussion of what a professional looks like. Yeah. Can we call ourselves professionals? Well, you, maybe people will, you know, say, oh, Eric's not a professional or whatever. Or maybe there's qualifying people that will, you know, I'm catching them up to speed right now, Jason. Yeah. Go kick but rocks. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you ate pizza. Every single well, night, Tim and I, because we wanted New York pizza, like we wanted it. And then we realized that like, because the way they scheduled the tournament, where it was three courts max, so it was the court one, court two in stadium. Yeah. We, we didn't play until 2 p.m. So we're like, all right, if we eat pizza tonight, it's not going to be in our system mm-hmm. by the time we play. So we should yeah. be fine. Yep. So you, Tim and had then, too? Yeah, Tim had pizza. But then it turned into me like, all right, I have this tradition now. We did so well. Yeah. I don't want to break that. And also you got to support your businesses, you know? And so I decided to support Pizza Suprema right next there to you the, go. the garden. Yep. So, but Troy, uh, as an, uh, look, as a former athlete myself, I don't know the science behind it, but isn't pizza the one thing you want to eat the night before a tournament anyway? I mean, there's, there's, well, I mean, I oh, like look, there's bow tie pasta. Go ahead, sorry. I was in, I think like now there's a bunch of different studies on whether you want to like carbo load, you know, like what did Michael Jordan eat before the finals and stuff like that. So I think whatever fuels you up, I always say like, you think of yourself as a sports car, like you want to put a good fuel in to get the sports car to win the race. If you put in bad fuel, you're going to get bad results. So I ate a big thing of, uh, of noodles before every single yeah i would say yeah every night we broke down in yeah. yeah so yeah <laughs> that's, <a really laughs> that's another story. course we yeah. were sitting at uh the thai restaurant what's that place uh, called bamboo bamboo, bamboo oh, yeah. Yeah. yep yeah oh and my god there. i love the shrimp pad thai uh, man yeah i think it was it yeah was, that was for hermosa that place is awesome we sat dude. at this one table and we were like, and then so Eric, that's when Eric didn't make it in to the tournament. Yeah, and it was like a really it. big deal. Well, I think before Manhattan, was it after Manhattan or before No, Manhattan? it was, I think it was right before Manhattan. Yeah, right before Manhattan. They see us in the same table. Yeah. And I'm like, Eric, you don't want to sit in that same seat because it jinxed you. And he's like, no, I'm going to beat this. Yeah, I said, fuck you, the Thai. You know, I'm going to eat the Thai food. I love this Thai food. This Thai is not the curse. So he <laughs> sat in that same chair in the same table. And then, and then the next day, Troy and I talked, and we just laughed. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. And now I got third in Manhattan Beach Open. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, oh, my God. Well, dude, I got a bunch of Subway stories. I, don't, I just don't know if we have time. Do you, you guys want me dude, to share? Dude, I want to. Do you guys I want me to share one? Subway stories because one of my favorite comedians, John Mulaney, who yeah. lives in New York, he has so many funny stuff where he's like, I haven't 
been killed by a hitman, but the moment right before has to be very similar to seeing a mariachi band on yeah. the subway. Oh, or yeah. Or you see, you're like, oh, look, a guitar player. Yeah. Oh, look, a guitar <laughs> player. Oh, look. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> then, basically, if, you, if you're out there looking for them, basically any train that has to go over the Manhattan Bridge <laughs> from uh, from Manhattan to Brooklyn, so there's this long 10 minute or 11, 11 to 15 minute ride from one, Canal Street or, or Grand Street that goes to DeKalb Avenue in Brooklyn. And that's where the musical performers get you because they're allowed to play a longer period of time and, and more pieces because it's the longest ride from one stop to the next is over the bridge. So honestly, there was, and this is a fun story. I get on Grand Street and this guy comes with a, a violin and the other one comes with a guitar and it's the end of the day, and I was working a nine to five back then, a cardiology practice um, for Cornell, and everyone's just beat to shit, and they're not in the mood. We don't want to hear music. We don't want to see no fucking street dancers, okay? You know, uh, swinging by the pole, whizzing by. We just, we just not in the mood. And then what these two freakers did, they played. Um, I'm never gonna dance again. I'm never gonna dance again. Um, didn't mm. sing it. The violin. That's right. <laughs> the way I dance with you. Um, so, um, and that was it. The guy that, that, that that's supposed to do the sax was doing the violin. And the other guy was. It was fucking awesome. And everyone on the train that was in the bad mood was like, that's hilarious. Like I did see one funny video that was talking about this girl. She went out in like the streets of New York and she screamed at the top of her lungs. And she said, the people who look aren't from New York. <laughs> so the people that walk by just normal. Yeah. You know what? Because we scared to make eye contact. Yeah. New, New, York, like New York is a crazy people. Lungs, and someone would be recording her and some yeah. people would look. And then she's like. They're not from New York. But New Yorkers are crazy people, Magnus. That's why we don't look we don't look crazy people in the eye. Because if we look them in the yeah. eye, we're pretty sure they're gonna talk to us for the rest of the ride. They're gonna sit there and F with us the whole ride. That's I'm, so I'm a crazy okay. person, Magnet, dude. A guy a crazy so you, guy can walk down the strand. Mm -hmm. Do you do you acknowledge people? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're here in California, you're in California. It changed my life. Like, California changed my life. I, I say hi to everybody now. Just say hi. Yeah, no, but I said hi to everybody now. California changed it. What's up? How you doing? Living a dream, you know? So, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> How's that? How you doing? Living a dream. <laughs> Can you imagine, as a New Yorker, the first time you hear someone say living a dream, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Hey, one before we go, one last subway story. Uh, a yeah. woman on the train. Um, going downtown, woman on the train, something falls out of her bag. It's dildo. Falls out of her bag. And the same time it falls out of her bag, the train stops. So it falls on the floor and it rolls on the ground. And oh, everybody, everyone holding on to the strap so it goes like this. <laughs> and then when it finishes rolling, they go... <laughs> it, was, it was like the most embarrassing thing for this poor woman it dropped and literally just rolled. why is that something you carry with you that is that's not a carry-on that's something you check that's a checked bag item. well whatever you could there's be, a bathroom nearby you could be on your way somewhere yeah <laughs> come you on could be. she's on her way to chelsea man and things happen in chelsea okay so uh come on <laughs> live a little <laughs> Oh, Subway my God. bumpy. You never know. 
<laughs> you think that'd be more suitable for a vibrator, but I guess not. Oh, maybe not. Certainly not the train. But I mean, she ain't gonna. She's not gonna FedEx it to the place that she wants to have fun. She's gonna carry it in her bag. So that's that's sure. that's how it happens, right? Aggressive. She carry this. Yeah. Oh, you guys are thinking, oh, privacy of your own home. I get it. You're thinking like private, her own object, privacy of her own home, not sharing shit. I got it. Got it. I'm with it. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait. What are you talking about? Nothing. Hey, Nothing. <laughs> sharing? Nothing. Sharing? It was, so, was, so was that an invitation? Is that what you're saying? The, the, she, it accidentally fell out of her purse, but she had it attached to a fishing string and she reeled it back in. Yeah, and then, then whoever had it in their no. mouth by the, by the end of time on the floor. No, but it's in Look, over. She, I bet she wish she did have that because you know what? Ain't nobody picking that up. Look, you drop your sunglasses in New York. We're not total assholes. We're going to pick it up. Yo, hey, you drop these. Ain't nobody going to be like, look, hey, no, no, I got it. I got it. Here you go. Oh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, you're not picking that up on me. Right here. Right here. Just turn your hips around a little bit more. And then bend over. You really touch your toes. Oh. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> That's horrible. Are we going to get in trouble for this? Yes. Um, okay. Sending this to Donald's son. Um, <laughs> kidding. Whoa. God damn. Everybody ah! stop laughing. Uh, yeah, stop everything, laughing. Everything just got really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, Donald. Uh, <laughs> I think I just, I, was, I wasn't breathing that entire time. Yeah. <laughs> Troy to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right, boys. Listen, I, uh, I think I might took it as far as I could go today. Yeah, we I mean we helped you, so. Eric. Eric Baranek, yo, you are the man, and you're training with Andy Banesh. Got Troy Field next to you, training with Casey Patterson. Hope um people uh become a little bit more socially responsible, so this way um sports that don't have multiple competitors like beach volleyball, as long, along with combat sports and tennis, get to do this. And um and I wish you guys the best. Troy Field, man, congratulations on all your success. Eric Baranek, I'm I'm dude. I'm gonna take that I'm gonna take that journey with you when you go back. You know that, all right? Yeah, I know that. All right, peace out, guys. Thank you. That was fun. All right. Okay, for everybody at home. Yo. That was fun. Thanks, Eric. Thank all right. You. Hey, for everybody at home and for Eric Baranek, for all of you guys on your tablet tablet, for all of you guys on your on your desktop, for all of you ladies standing online outside at Starbucks on your iPhone waiting for your drink, for Eric Baranek and for Troy Field special guest, I'm Jason DeBeas, and I love you guys to pieces, and I say so long. We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.